Podular Modcast and Friends, the new compilation album on Mystery Circles is still available for pre-order and there's a couple of the baby blue vinyl copies left. I would act fast if you want one. And uh, all proceeds go to Mary's Place, a foundation here in the Northwest that helps women, children, and families find their way out of houselessness. So uh, you'll be getting uh, a cool record and doing a good deed at the same time. Who's on the record? We've got Lisa Belladonna, we've got Daedalus, we've got Sarah Bell Reed, we've got Lemon Jaya, my buddy Josh from Modular Seattle, and Space Racer. And then I do some remixes on the other side. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun album. I'd really appreciate if you could check it out. Mysterycircles.bandcamp.com. Link in the show description. Also want to take some time here to say thank you to my friends over at Patchworks. I saw a bunch of my friends from Patchworks just last Friday night or Saturday night. It was Saturday night. Um, got to see some really awesome live music. Um, anyways, Patchworks is the greatest synth shop I've ever been to. Um, they got a beautiful new showroom uh, up there in the Fremont-Wallingford area of Seattle. They do uh, events, and uh, they just have a huge show floor with all sorts of different type of gear. Um, not just modular. What kind of stuff do they carry? Well, they carry After Later Audio. I know that. And uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to After Later Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Working with them for the last year or so in the shop uh, has been so much fun. It's been a lot of fun to uh, get a peek into the, the mind of an engineer um, and uh, to kind of be a, a, you know, a, a sounding board for that engineer. So that's been fun, and we've got a lot of cool stuff coming out in the future, but we've also recently released a whole lot of cool stuff. Um, you got an extra 2 HP in your uh, in your synth in your synth rack there. Well, why don't you get the SHTH? It is a sample and hold and a track and hold, all in 2 HP, um, and it has a noise source and uh, an onboard meandering or walking voltage, which is very useful. Afterlateraudio.com. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim, and this week I'm so pumped to bring another conversation with my good pal, Eric Needham from Needham Woodworks. You know his beautiful cases. I have one. I talk about it all the time. I'm looking at it right now as I'm talking to you, actually. Um, Eric and I have become good buds since we first met on episode 40-something, and this is 198, episode 198, so that's pretty fun. We're almost the 200. Um, Yeah. I wanted to record an episode with Eric when we were down in San Francisco not that long ago, but I don't know, when you're like with your friends that you'd never get to see, you're not really thinking about, I wasn't thinking about that, I just wanted to hang, so I got to see a shop and everything. So it was cool to uh, just have a nice sit down one hour chat with Eric to catch up on, you know, what's been going on at Needham Woodworks and what is to come, and we are going to get to that very soon. But first, there's a few things I want to yak at you at, about. Yak at you about? That's what you say, right? First thing uh, I want to mention, I, I think I forgot to mention it on the last episode, but I am still taking submissions for a theme song for my new movie podcast that is going to be coming out. We had a little bit of a delay because my uh, my my partner in crime over there at uh, 
uh, well, it's called uh, All Detours Are Welcome podcast. Uh, he got sick, so we haven't been able to record more episodes. Um, so you have more time to make us a minute to a minute and a half long uh, catchy jingle for our movie podcast. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'll probably share it with some of you Patreon subscribers here. Actually, all of the Patreon subscribers. Uh, I think once I get the first two episodes um, edited, I'm going to just upload them to Patreon to see what you think. I would love I would love some feedback and, and see, uh, see if you guys are liking it and whatnot. Speaking of the Patreon, that is how I keep the show going. Um, for reals, without the Patreon, I'd probably have to stop doing the show, or it would become much less frequent, and yeah, it would just be much harder to do. So if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you headed over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. And I know I mentioned it right at the outro, but the, the new Podular Modcast and Friends vinyl is still available for pre-order, but we're running out of copies. And I bring that up now because I would love for you to check out my YouTube page where I have made some re, uh, some videos for my remixes uh, on the on the album. And I'm still working on uh, the last two, um, but I'm having a lot of fun making, making videos and short films, as you know. Um, and uh, I just recently had a weekend with my buddy Justin, who really encouraged me to try to find film festivals to submit some of my weird shorts to. Um, I would actually think that would be kind of fun. So if anybody knows of any like small film festivals that will take super, super uh, low budget, no budget um, short films <laughs> from uh, super amateur uh, filmmakers, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I want to keep making some. I'm actually, I'm kind of working on a script for one right now that I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know how much I, I pour into these these videos and films. I just, it's kind of like, it's one of my main interests right now. And uh, it would just mean a whole heck of a lot to me if you headed over to the YouTube page and checked some of them out. I would love to hear some of your constructive criticism. Um, what else is going on? I don't think there's a whole lot else to fill you in on. Um, other than, you know, the news that you're going to hear from, from Eric himself about what's coming next with Needham Woodworks. So why don't we sit back, kick up our feet, and enjoy the dulcet tones of Podular Modcast, episode 198, featuring Eric Needham from Needham Woodworks. Then we're rolling with Eric Needham. Um... I just told you I wasn't going to do that. I would just looked up. I think it's kind of funny. Do you know what episode? Okay, so you're going to be episode 198 or 99. Wow. This one that we're recording right now. Do you wow. know what episode you first appeared on? No. 46. <laughs> March 11th, 2019. Wow. And this is pretty sweet. I just noticed this. I didn't mean to do this. But the the runtime of the episode, mm. sixty nine minutes. What? Ooh. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I might edit yeah, that part out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what's that? Reciprocal. We both got something out of that movie. Um. Well, it's funny, like. Usually, like when I've you know, because I would say you know I've I've become friendly with a lot of people that I've had on the show, but um, you know, there's a handful of people that like you know I've become buds with and talk yeah. to regularly, and and you're one of them. And usually, I have people um, back on the show more often, but I think you've been just 
literally too busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you got me at a good uh, doing design work now in the morning. So you, yeah, and then I'll, I'll be back in the shop in an hour to keep cranking. I mean, it's right, just, right. It, it's it's uh, it's really. Um, well, it's also funny because every time like we're talking about this, like you're like, I don't even have time to play modular synth. Like no. you probably have, I, I wonder, like, have you patched, do you think, since you were first on the show? No, not at all. And actually, I think <laughs> since I first on the show, I sold my, mo <laughs> I've been selling my modules to buy tools. And then I, I had a little uh, bit of time. Brad um, was my apprentice for a while and he was a guitar player and a, and a drummer. And we was uh, every Thursday, during the, we, we talked before the pandemic. That was a while ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But during the pandemic, Brad and I were basically a pot, right? So we'd work mm -hmm. together all day. And then every Thursday, we'd shut down a little early. He had his drums and his guitar stuff there. And we would start playing, you know, seven o'clock at night or whatever and be there till three in the morning. And it was just me and him. We'd watch, you know, we'd try to project like, you know, the like Led Zeppelin rock and roll stuff, you know, like song <laughs> remains the same on the wall. It was like our, as close to, you know, being human as we could get and just playing yeah. music. But I slowly started uh, selling all my modules to get like guitar pedals. And then what would end up happening is we'd have these massive array of, of pedals. And uh, I spent more time setting them up. I mean, it was now three hours later. And, you know, we'd spend more time setting up our pedals than we did actually playing. Yeah. It was super it's fun. You have like the opposite journey of people who get into modular. Like I sold all my guitar pedals to buy modules and you sold all your <laughs> modules to buy guitar pedals. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, that was my only music. It was like Brad and I got to play music once a week. And like, that was, that, that was my, you know. So you were Brad. playing bass then? Yeah, I played bass. He played guitar and, and drums. We typically like towards, especially with all the pedals toward the end, it was just guitar. Okay. But Cause you've been playing bass for my whole life. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Um, God, I'm trying to think like where do I want to go because so much shit has happened since you were first on and since you really first started doing this and started breaking into the scene like your your whole design has like morphed and evolved and and gotten just like super sleek and you've just been adding more like like the holes and stuff and just like the angles that you're doing and everything or it's just well, uh, I mean, to be the honest, colors. I, I, I'm incorporating more machine stuff into mm -hmm. it. So it's just as much handwork, but um getting consistency with the machine. I, I think that was one thing that I um, always struggled with a little bit because I wanted them all to be, you know, unique snowflakes, but that's not sustainable. And also when you're, um, you're doing it that way, you know, builds aren't consistent, you know, um, piece mm -hmm. to piece. Now kind of like, you know, the spacing, all, all these like little details, if those are handled by a machine, they're perfect. And then okay. everything else can be, you know, can be more organic and, you know, have the arty, input but like having a machine like i have a cnc machine out and it does mm -hmm. and i used to make fun of cnc machines it wasn't so much for this it was <laughs> it, it was uh um it's it's basically taking a c machine to cut the sheet goods into parts and put them together and calling that a case is not something that i do or, or or admire but like using the machine to make consistent cuts and and certain pieces has mm -hmm. been a game changer for me so i'm able to put out if you buy a standard 18U and a 21U, it's the same, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, fitting and all the um, final finishing and all, all that stuff. It, it comes out. I still feel like when I see you posting pictures of a new build, they all, 
even though, like you said, like it, it's not sustainable to make them all snowflakes, I still do see. Oh, they're all. They're, yeah. They all have their own character for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're all yeah. visually, they're all the same. But I meant like the actual. It's all the stuff that the, the utility, the the utility part of it are mm-hmm. are consistent, and that was something I struggled with before. No, I what I'm. I mean, I they look the same as in design, but like they, they all kind of still look unique yeah. in them in themselves still, and I think that's that's pretty. That's probably just the mark of good work, but. How how much so was anything machined on my case? I'm looking at my case no, now. You so yours was the last of the uh, uh, you you have that ash dovetail the one. ash one yeah. yeah yeah that's 100 percent like I I if I basically made those cases I'd have been out of business two, two years ago. <laughs> I remember like, you you were working on my case and you do you want we were going back and forth on all these specifications and stuff and then uh, you came back and you're like all right man. This was actually going to be mine, but if you want this one, you can have this one. And then you described it, and I was like, well, "I hate to take yours, but the ash sounds pretty cool." And I is that the only? Do I have the only one that's like this color and this? Yeah, it's the only one. Yeah. And what's funny about it is, uh, just the other day, one of, there's another furniture maker. Uh, there, there are four of us in the co-op. It's like thirty thousand square foot wood shop, mm-hmm. and there are four of us share the giant machines. And one of them is like this retired guy that got commissioned by this woman who saw your piece. This was like two years. And it's funny that you're mentioning it now. She came by and she's like, oh, what is this color? I go, well, it's it's called bleach. It's a bleached and pickled ash. So it's like mm-hmm. a two-step process. They get it that white color. She goes, that's really cool. And then it was three days ago, she went to that furniture. She goes, oh, I saw this piece that Eric had that was this white. And he was like, oh, fuck, what is that? And he came over. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like, it was this bleached and pickled out. She goes, I don't fucking want to do with that. I don't know. It's like, why did you show her? <laughs> and she just walked by. So now he has to try to imitate that piece. But it's not something I want to, it was actually a huge pain in the ass. It's not something I would, because you actually bleach it. You have to put another chemical on it to stop that reaction. So uh-huh. it doesn't turn completely green. And that gets the inside of the grain. And then you uh, pickle and that, and that, whitens the outside so it's actually a three-step process to get it like what color. is the what is pickling in your world it's it's three different it's basically it's another chemical one kind of bleaches the outside of the grain one gets the inside of the grain and um, oh okay so the pickling is the process this is the process. process yeah, yeah i yeah. see i see okay and then um, uh, and then when that's done i think i coated it with like a lighter colored uh oil um, yeah, which I I love it, and I've had I've had a few people look at it, and they're like, "Are you going to finish it?" And I'm like, "No, like this is that's the color. This has been through the process to become this color, right? Like this yeah. is the intended." And uh, but I yeah, I like it. It's it it really pops. Yeah, um, I mean, anytime you put oil on a light wood, or like uh, or even a dark wood, uh, like maple, or uh, it, it turns yellow. I mean, that's that's what ha- it's mm-hmm. oil. Any finish turns it yellow unless you have something specifically to try to retain that color that's usually is that like is that yellow like those old like i'm trying to think of the only guitar i can think of are those weird like uh remember those pv like double cutaways Hmm. that were super heavy that some of those were like this yellowy wood is that well i'm actually looking behind your head at your bases so Uh there's one there with a maple neck like one in the middle there's a base with a maple neck yeah that's my jazz bass so the jazz bass, if you, so it's slightly yellowed, right? The the, the neck or is it white white? Uh, well, it's a maple neck, and then the the yellow the body is like a um. No, no, like not a, the body. I meant the the neck itself is it it, it would def so that would have like a catalyzed lacquer that kind of retained the whiteness of that wood. 
but uh-huh. if they were to wipe oil on it, it would yellow slightly more than that. Okay. But, okay. Um, I see. Right on. Um, yeah, I, I love my, I love my case. It's, uh, it was kind of nerve wracking moving. I was like, man, I don't want, like we had movers and stuff and I was like, Eric will kill me if I let the fucking college hunks moving junk. That was, that was the company we hired. I was like, I'm not letting the college hunks take, take my, my baby. So I, that was like one of the things that was sitting right in the middle of our car, just like Uber packed in. Yeah. We have a trucking partner now that does the shipping and they wrap them in blankets. I mean, I was, that was another big change is I was using UPS and we were basically having to make custom kitchen cabinets to get these shipped. And that was a project. And it's so like, I, I don't want to make kitchen cabinets, you know, mm-hmm, right. The, the shipping crates and UPS was 20% of them. They were either losing or they were damaging. So oh they would lose, you know, a four foot by four foot by three foot, 200 pound shipping crate. I'm like, how do you lose that? Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, and it's like, and, and talk about how like niche this is. Right. So it's a, it's a cabinet specifically for holding your, you know, modules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's a driver somewhere. It's like, oh, this is a need on Woodworks. <laughs> like, <give me> <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this. And it's going to, you know, I'm going to make it disappear off the back of the truck. <laughs> wow. That's, I wonder if that happened. It's going to be like. Happened three times. That somebody just stole them? Or I don't know. I don't know. They, they just disappeared. disappeared from the system. Yeah. And one of them is a heartbreaker because it was like a, I mean, it was a, you know, a museum piece. Like that, it was a piece that. It was the guy that bought the very first 21 I ever made, kind of pushed me to make a, the, the big oak worms. Mm-hmm. I made them an extra special case and it fucking t- disappeared on the truck. Ah, <laughs> uh, do they, I mean, you probably do some sort of insurance on them. Like, do they? Do it, get... Yeah. And then it's, you know, uh, uh-huh. you know, I had an assistant that was supposed to call and, and, and deal with it. He, he didn't want to do it, but it's just, it's a, uh, it's a whole process trying to track that down. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I, when I've just sold a few things on Reverb back in the day, and I remember like, anytime it was over like three hundred dollars, doing the the shipping insurance, and I'm like, I bet even if I buy this, it won't work. You know, I just don't trust. Well, like no, you, they make you jump through hoops. You know, yeah, for sure. When it's thousands of dollars, they really do make you jump through. But now yeah. it's it's a different world now. I have a trucking company, and they come and it's fully insured. They wrap it in blankets. It's it's like zero issues. It's so, but awesome. sometimes you deliver them if they're like in the California. Oh, if they're local, area. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in LA, I'm I've been driving to LA a lot. Um, I've actually had a I don't know. I was just I just got back and I, I did a delivery. And I usually go to Perfect Circuit actually because uh, okay, I meet Harry. Um, they they carry some Escatonic stuff, and I have a a new offering that that's coming up, hopefully re- relatively soon. A, a more uh, affordable case that i'll be bringing down there too because since they're large it'd be way easier for me just in the van bring down you yeah know, 10, 20 at a time um with my deliveries but yeah so I, six, I, uh, five, six hour drive um yeah it's exactly right between five and six my daughter had her seventh birthday so we were at disneyland so i i, I, I kind of um, nice. doubled, doubled down with but also doing a delivery um well, it seems like LA would probably, well, I mean, I know it is because you've, you've been down there a few times, but that's that's kind of like the prime spot for people buying Needham cases, you know, big studio oh, it, cases. Oh, it is. It, it, and it's, you know, it's it's folks in the in the, in the the film industry. Um, actually, I just had a delivery to um, James Blake while he was working on his, his last album. I noticed, like, he deleted all his posts from Instagram, so I think he's going to start posting about his new project. 
Uh-huh. Um, they were doing a, a making of the album thing as I was like backing my, you know, my van that said my other car is a modular synthesizer. <laughs> I came out with my Dickies with like the logo on it and stuff. And they, they actually were shooting the whole thing. That's um, awesome. Yeah. That, but that was, you know, another, I'm only name dropping because it, he was part of a delivery in, in, in yeah. LA, which is pretty Well, cool. don't worry. I'm going to ask you to name drop probably a few more times. But when I saw you were going to James Blake, I was just like, I, um, I fucking love James Blake, especially the, yeah. the first album of his is like, oh, no, it's great. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Um, I mean, I like, I like most of his stuff, but I, I like the, the weirder stuff he does is more, more my speed. But, um, I really like, he was one of those people that I was like, it'd be cool to have him on the show someday. And then I saw, you know, he's buying a Needham case. Okay. He definitely uses modular. And then he was just recently on Mylar Melodies podcast. Yeah, no, no, like, God I, damn it. Alex got him first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you've, I think, uh, you've, you've done stuff now I can, well, maybe I'll just let you tell me who, because I don't, I know some, but I don't know who's, cause I know some people probably don't want their, their business out there, but like, um, you say film industry, who are some of the film people? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Ludwig was the big, I think I, I'm not sure if I had worked on Ludwig's before or after, but Ludwig Gorenson, who scored, uh, on Black Panther <clears throat> and, oh, the Mandalorian stuff. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, so I, I poached the, the little Mando things for, not for sale, but for my own little like fanboy, uh-huh, fanboy, uh-huh. fanboy related um, t-shirts and stickers and whatnot. But um, I was working with a sister, Jessica, who's this, you know, they're from Sweden, obviously. And uh, she is this interior designer. I worked on with her on his new studio that he built using the, the Black Panther money. And he has this amazing studio. She, she worked on it. So I, I did this giant piece which still to this day is the most complicated piece I've made to date. Um, and what are, what are the measurements on that thing? Like um, it's a double, it's actually uh, in, in, ter- in terms of scale these days, it's not the biggest, but uh-huh. it, just the complexity with, cause it had a lower cabinet that um, housed uh, um, two guitar amplifiers that had acoustically transparent fabric over the doors. So you can like, oh, so what you're, it wasn't just, you like built like a whole giant it, piece yeah, of furniture, it was a not huge just thing okay. on, on wheels. And it had these, you know, it had the doors that you could put microphones right up to the doors. And, you know, I talked about, it's like, well, you know, there's going to be early reflections and all this stuff, but, you know, I put sorbethane pucks and all these things to help isolate it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He makes, he makes movies and records that people have heard and seen. Yeah. He's, uh, With that scale of a project, do you get like, like, what's the ratio from stoked to kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. For for me? Yeah. Um, I I'm I I I honestly don't care who the person is. I like no. Those I, I mean, oh. like, just like that big of a like that much work. That sounds like a fuck ton of work. Oh no, I love it. That so that's okay. what it, I, I that's what I was saying. It's like it could be Ludwig Göransson or you know Ned Flanders. You know, uh-huh. whoever calls me and. I don't really care the person is. I love the project, right? Mm-hmm. And the moment I heard the scale of it, I'm talking <laughs> Jessica and the complexity, I just started getting, you know, more and more excited. And then what always happens inevitably, if it's a custom Christian, when they're saying, you know, you can do what you want, that's when all the crayons in my box come out. You know, yeah. so I want to try this joinery. I want to try this. Here's an opportunity for me to do that. And this mm-hmm. was one of those, you know, and it kind of yeah. um, went off the deep end. And that was an, an amazing piece. And recently, um, just to, to name drop and it's because it was, so, and once again, I don't care who it was, but like the project was so spectacular. It was like, it was a, a brand new studio build um, for uh, JJ Abrams 
And it was just that the studio was beautiful. It had this like back angled wall. So I had all these constraints on the, on the, on the actual um, shape and design of the, the cabinet that was super fun to work with. And, and um, I was working, uh, you know, I'm a hippie man. Like I, 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 I call, I work within the world of issues and I'm like, Hey, can it be 48 and a quarter inches wide? I'm like, all right, it'll be 48 and a quarter uh, ish. You know, <laughs> my, my, my precision doesn't go into the thousandth of an inch. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely a little, a, a little, a little looser. But I was working with hardcore CAD guys, and these studio designers were incredible to the point where I actually brought in Sam from uh, the uh, the Origin people, uh, the, the, um, the people who did the handheld uh, uh, CNC machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, who is a CAD ninja who took my design, put it into CAD, did a three-dimensional rendering, including the, the recessed circlon, right? Right. Yeah, so, I was going to ask uh, about that. So I got the so I got the um, actually downloaded the, the the dimensions the spec I think there was a there was a um, some sort of machine drawing of the uh, the Circlon front panel. S Sam actually completely did a model of it, include down to the lights and stuff. Oh wow! Put it in the thing um, because JJ had it in a in a VR world. Like he basically put it in this kind of VR. CAD world where he could virtually walk around the studio to kind of get a sense of it, which is really cool. Yeah. Other furniture makers in the in the shop have had projects like this before, but this is brand new to me, which was pretty rad. But it it, it, it incorporated all these new elements, and I kind of went big on the back of the cabinet that you don't even see. I put in excessive amount of time, like it had color, like had like the a sun raw um, <laughs> color and like design patterns and stuff that you'll see. Only the people who move the case saw. <laughs> oh, <laughs> installed against the back, but it's all these like little tiny details that I took a lot of. Um, that's so cool. A lot of pride on. Yeah, I mean that's got like I know you're not trying to name drop and and you like the project and stuff, but like somebody like. J.J. Abrams to, to yeah, work with has got to be pretty cool, right? And, and, and not only that, so he remastered, um, Bad Robot um, remastered uh, Phantasm. Yeah, you were telling me bad. about this. Yeah. And I didn't know that, right? So what's funny is, it was, so Brad and I were, uh, were at the house, it was before a, a drive to L.A., and um, uh, we were watching movies. It was the night before. I was like, hey, you know, and I was like flipping through, and I saw, you know, the, the I saw the, um, the thumbnail for phantasm go by i'm like brad did you ever see this he's like no it's like you've never seen phantasm like all right so we went back and watched it you know it has the picture of the tall man holding the ball with the you know the um yeah the sharp cutting tool out of it that sucks your blood and shoots it out the back end so it was there we watch it and it really it sounded fucking incredible it has a total sense um score mm -hmm. and it really amazing film at the end we're going this said um remastered by bad robot so of course we google it and it says it's one of JJ's favorite films. Like, holy shit. Right. I was like, I was completely blown away. I mean, I love most of the stuff that he's put out, but like Phantasm is just has a really, so really did you found this out like during the process of working on building his stuff and working uh, on unrelated it? to anything. It was and, yeah. you know, actually wasn't even part of his, it was another delivery, but Brad stayed the night we we drove down together for for an install. And um, we watched it. And then what happened was, you know, the JJ's project you know, went through a pandemic. So there were delays that there were, you know, they couldn't work on it for a while. And then I think someone got sick and there was this delay, that, that, that delay. But in that time, there's this guy from Scotland, Mark Modular, who designed these custom multi-tiered panel um, 
designs for me. One was of the tall guy, uh, the tall man holding the ball that I put on because he had a, a double sided cabinet, uh-huh. and on the other side I put a stormtrooper. So and but remember he 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 fills up these this cabinet with modules. So it's one of these things where he gets to see it, you know, the unveiling of it. So there's the tall man, and then he's gonna take him right back off. But you. <laughs> Prize, right? Yeah, I was like, you yeah. know what? Like, this is for the thirty seconds that you get to see it. That's the delay. But got. that's, I mean, yeah, it's so cool, it's so awesome. And he came, right? So he came and he saw it, and you know, he he was an absolute sweet. Ellison from uh, Waveform was with me to to help do the install. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, so he got to meet him too. An absolute sweetheart of a human. It was a fun project to work on. That's so cool. Um, yeah, to like, I remember you, uh, you know you telling me like, you know, like I said, we, you, it's fun to hear like your, your process in real time. You're always kind of like, Oh, I'm going to do this and that, you know, like, don't tell anybody this, but I'm doing this for, and yeah. then <laughs> you sent me the picture of the phantasm guy. You're like, I'm going to surprise JJ with this. And I was yeah. like, Oh dude, that's fucking cool. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. Like, not only are you get to, you're like doing what you love, you get to like have these unique experiences, but you get to like, have like the fun with it, you know? Yeah. no, it's fun. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> even with this stuff, it's like personal investment. You know, it's like I, I don't really care about the money at that point. It's just the mm-hmm. whole pro- it's the whole thing that's that, that makes it special. But yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun project. And not only that, but it was the the folks that were his technical resource, like uh, Dustin and Laura. Um, you know, Dustin does stuff with Trent Reznor, Laura, uh, all the Jack Antonoff stuff. She does all the recording for him. I mean. And when I went down there, uh, she, she worked on uh, Taylor Swift's albums, and I, she won a Grammy for Album of the Year or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I went down, and I uh, so ta- she worked on Folklore, right, with Jack or whatnot. And she goes, oh, you know, do you want Taylor to sign this? I'm like, no, I want you to sign it. You know? <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it's, it's for my daughter, right? And yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I want... With all due respect to you know Taylor Swift, when she you know when she gets broken up with, she writes these whiny songs. When like you know, Stevie Nicks gets broken up with. She writes a fucking shredder song about that person <laughs> and makes that person play it on stage. <laughs> you know, like I don't want Taylor Swift. I don't want my my daughter knowing anything about her. But like Laura is a fucking badass in a male dominated world, like winning Grammys for albums. Yeah. Like I want her. Like she and she wrote this beautiful message to Willa. You know, it's stuff That's like so that cool. that makes my job awesome. And and Willa's like because she's held like. She's, seven. Just, uh, she's seven and she's so seven. now she has a collection of them um that's and like when her. she like she's she's approaching the age where she's like can wrap her head around it a bit but when she's like when she's older and she has all this stuff like that's that's going to be such a cool thing for her to be well, like so speaking huh. of that so like the marvel thing came out so tori letzler um bought a a, a cabinet for steve her husband and um and it was actually that, that was over that was during the pandemic. It went down, we all were wearing masks and stuff pretty pretty early in. Um, but she did, you know, she worked on the score for Wonder Woman. And mm-hmm. Willow's now getting into the Marvel stuff. And because when I she was too young. Well, when Wonder I had Woman's album. DC. Uh careful. You're right, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're <totally> right. <laughs> but anyway, she's getting into the Marvel stuff, and in that process, we watched the, the Wonder Woman movie. That's so cool. You're totally right. It's not Marvel. And, well, uh, I, I don't care, but I just don't want the trolls coming for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they will come. Yeah, um, but anyway, I brought it up and she was like, it's like, yeah, but also during the pandemic with the CNC, uh, the handout CNC, I made a Wonder Willa like 
um, shield and she oh, had a nice. board that says Wonder Will on it. All that, so now all the stuff is now making sense because she had never seen the film before. She didn't uh -huh. understand it. And now she has the vinyl that Tori signed for her saying, hey, you know, even little girls can be superheroes too. Yeah. And just like, like, oh, and it's like my little, you know, I get tears. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Beautiful. But she That's was so awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Is she taking any interest in, in music as far as yeah. like playing or anything? I bought her, um, so I, I had a little, uh, a, a micro freak that, um, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that she was playing with. And I actually recently uh, lent that out to, um, someone who has a kid who didn't, you know, doesn't know anything about uh, synthesizers. I just bought her a Moog, uh, grandmother. Oh, nice. So, which is, so there's the matriarch. I was like, I mean, I'm like, she doesn't need a matriarch. A and a B, I don't have the budget for me. Yeah, yeah. No, but grandmother's it's, great. It's two oscillators. It's like some filters. It's got the little uh, um, step sequence, you know, the little arpeggiator built into yeah. it. So and it's, it's like, got it's like the colors on it pop so it's like colors, inviting. Yeah, it, it they looks they have the fun. all blacked out version I'm like no she i want the different colors on it yeah and it has the spring reverb built in so she can turn it instantly make it you know dubstep nice <laughs> so, nice yeah, i uh, i got i got a couple of the um this is probably well no it, i mean it's i even had fun playing it so i'm going to retract what i was going to say but they um it's called the blip blocks have you seen those yes they look like a toy but like if you mess with them, it's like, oh shit, this is a, a real synthesizer. And I, I gave, I gave one to, uh, to my nieces and nephews on Hannah's side, and then my my nephews on the other, and they're they're pretty stoked on it. But it's funny to bring it to like a party and watch all the adults also like start. Yeah, playing. no, it's it's all. Awesome. I, I was just at Super Booth, um, not that long ago, um, it, it, and I met uh, Stefan uh, Heinbach and. Mm -hmm. uh, Coco and a, and a bunch of um, Helene Volks, uh, Vogel singer, Vogel singer. Yeah, so I didn't meet her, but I, I, I brought her a skip. I brought skips for a few, few folks who I really like. Uh, mm -hmm. out of but anyway, I met the guys who did the dado, the little, uh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, the lip box. But I bought that from them when the original Kickstarter, right? And I got oh, the right. guys, I, I think they're from Holland, they're from like, Uche. okay. Um, yeah, I met all those guys. We we swap T-shirts. They all have the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, need them with oh, nice. <laughs> and I Wait, got do you have do you have T-shirts? I don't I don't have a T-shirt. Um, I'll bring you up next time. Like, I go to Seattle. Yes, okay. I do. I thought right. I gave you one, but it's pretty nah. No, well, we we kind of we kind of hit the ground running with the margaritas when you when you came up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. I probably had a T-shirt for you, but <laughs> um, yeah, my wife was like, "You boys, you guys, you guys were." She 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 said we were cute, but in that way of like, you guys are you guys are basically teenage boys. Yeah, we're teenage uh, which <laughs> you got a badass picture of me Smoking lighting a up a cigar. Yeah, yeah. that was like that's that's sure. like that should uh, in that's gonna be. I want. I'm just saying it now to the world. I want that picture to be my in memoriam picture. If, <laughs> <laughs> Please pardon the interruption, but I just want to tell you about Tiny Crush Mixing. You don't need to mix your own stuff. That's, that's time that you should be spending creating, patching, you know, solidifying your artistic vision. The mixing process is so difficult. Why not put it in the hands of a professional like Hugo over at Tiny 
Crush Mixing. He's a seasoned producer, signed to multiple labels. Uh, he's had his work reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, Resident Advisor. Um, he has toured both the US and Europe. Uh, he understands the intricacies and desires of the electronic musician firsthand. Uh, he's, he has a solid foundation of mixing, but he can also handle the advanced tools of the modern workflow required for a current electronic release. We're talking about complex signal flow, side chaining, resonance control, which is key with synthesizer music. Um, complex automation, drum layering, you know, the deal. Well, maybe you don't, but he does. So why don't you head over to Tiny Crush Mixing? Because if you use the code PODMOD10, well, then you can get 10% off of your mixing services, which is a great deal. But don't just take my word for it. Let's, let's check out this testimonials uh, page on the website. Hugo is the best investment by far, not just sonically, but artistically, a rare human and an exceptional artist. That's pretty good. Hugo really paid my album a lot of attention and helped it reach a new level. He made my album sound better than I possibly could have imagined. I couldn't be happier with the finished deliverable. The mixes have more presence and greater depth. The solid mixes I hear are proof that it is the right recommendation. That one there comes from Nathan Moody. So, you know, I could go on. There are more testimonials. I was just picking them at random from the testimonials page because that's how much confidence I have in Hugo's skills. I've listened to so much music that he's produced, including his own, but other people's. Um, in fact, the song that's playing below me is called Gentle Giant. It is one of Hugo's tracks. So once again, just avoid the hassle. Have a professional do it. Get your music sounding as good as it possibly can with Tiny Crush Mixing. And don't forget, if you enter promo code PODMOD10 at checkout, you get 10% off of your mixing services. Once again, that's tinycrushmixing.com. So I re like, I remember when we first started talking, you know, when I first had you on the show and we were first doing this, it was kind of relatively new and you were, you were kicking around ideas of, you know, doing not just the big cabinets, but yeah. also, you know, something a little smaller and you, you, you know, you do the skiffs and stuff, but like you're working on something else right now, right? Yeah, the, the, so the, the thing with, with the skiffs is they take me almost as long as a big cabinet because I put it as much detail on, and handwork in, and they're just not affordable, right? Yeah. If I wanted to buy a one-row thing, I'd have to charge you as much for, for me to stay in business. I have to charge a lot. So I, I had, for a very long time, I had been kicking around um, um, designs for a portable case but the the thing is, I, I didn't want to go into a market where you know there are companies who make flight cases, you know they're rugged plastic. You could throw them in a plane. You can you know you can splash water on them and all this stuff. That market is not only saturated; it's there are lots of great products, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. the, I wouldn't be adding any value. And plus, I don't know that world, right? right. I don't know about the water sealed. You know, in, uh, like the the, uh, the the hardware that goes around the cases mm -hmm. and the lids and whatnot. That's not something I want to get into. But what I wanted was um, to build a kind of a hybrid studio system that's not as big as my massive, you know, like three rows, four rows, um, and uh, that you could also take the local gigs. That you could, you know, you could throw in the back of the van and go somewhere. You know, I, I don't know about your kind of like your, your mountain hikes by the babbling brook as you're yeah. 
on a fjord and there's like elk going by and you're recording yeah yeah <laughs> you're in your audience so i don't I, it's possible something like that but we i've been working on that for a while and i recently um um was inspired <laughs> touch moved and inspired to to finish this uh design and my an industrial designer danny is actually coming over today i came up with a bunch of designs over the weekend and we should actually have something by the end of the week um because we've already have something pretty far along mm-hmm. and i'm hoping by next week i'm you know i'm shipping out um prototypes to folks to check out i got some great feedback from you on depth of the you know of the lids and whatnot mm-hmm. but um yeah, we have some exciting stuff, but this would be significantly more affordable than one of my handmade creations. Uh, it, you know, there'll be a lot of machine work, but it will have all the, I want, the whole point of this is to have a beautiful studio cabinet that you can also take out with you. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, not, I've. It's not 15 rows tall. <laughs> I mean, I've thought about like, you know, if I, if like something like Velocity, you know, like our, the, the the show series that started right before the pandemic. So it hasn't become a series yet, but it's in the project process of, you know, if I was going to do something like that, I had thought about like, well, maybe I would bring my Needham case out for that. But it's like, it's still kind of like, ah, that's, yeah, it's just like a one of a kind thing. Like I don't want to mess with that. So having something that is still your work, that it's going to like have your, your uh, signature on it. Yeah. I mean, the studio cases are not designed to be portable. You know, no, they're, not they're, at all. They're, yeah. they're to look pretty and inspired and, you know, serve a, a function and there's no lid, right? So this would be something yeah. that you could, you know, you could seal up, you could go. And once again, you're not going to take this and throw it on the back of the plant. They're wonderful off. It's like MDLR. I forget the other company. There's companies that make really, really kick-ass portable cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've been using my my Make Noise uh, shared system case for, for years now, and that thing has been all over. You know, I've flown yeah. with it twice and... I've totally. taken it to Mount Rainier and you know, like it's been. That's what I'm saying. You're on a yeah. mountaintop on a babbling brook. Like, <laughs> that's not necessarily what I want to do, but like, right. but if you're going to, you know, you're going to local gigs, you're even, you could even be touring, but um, it's just, it's not going to be, I don't want to do the flight case thing, but uh, the, the, um, the, uh, the lid, the door system that we're coming up with, is going to be pretty unique, pretty cool. There's going to be a bunch of features that you don't mm-hmm. find in normal offerings. Yeah. And also, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want someone back in there. Uh, what I want to offer is not something that's like, you know, an Ikea box, you know, mm-hmm. with a, a CNC bunch of parts slapped together. And it's like, oh, here's my plywood box. It's like, you know, I, I'm going to take it into the a more aesthetically pleasing and, and inspiring looking enclosure that you can also take out on the... Um, the shows with you yeah i and like we were talking a little bit before we started rolling i think you know because we were talking about like um you know one of the prototypes you're going to do is like a 10u and i think that's like a really that's a perfect size for something that is a studio gig hybrid you yeah, know like totally. you know my 7u like i've got a patch up right now it's off screen but to get like the fully fleshed out patch to like make a really long form piece of music in the way that I like to do it, I've got cables running over to my to to my big ash case, you know. Um, so there's always just like I just need those three or four extra modules to right. fully do. You know, that's just me. But I think a lot of people are like that. Um, having a ten you, like to not have to switch stuff out to do your studio recordings versus your live right. gigs, like. It's weird to be in a in a format where 
literally like the like the size of your case um determines like what kind of music you're going to make as an art you know and uh and and to have to switch between studio and live um i think is i mean it can be fun to like rebuild your system but after a while you get really tired of fucking taking screws out and yeah yeah no i get it yeah that's that's what we're trying to address but at the same time my job is to make beautiful things and right and that's why i'm stepping in i'm just sick of seeing the ikea looking boxes that people are taking to gigs and and taking like i see them in studios it's like all right i get it it's like you can afford to not have an ikea box in your yeah 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 (laughs) why are you doing it it it, it makes me sad so i'm yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my hat my name into that into that hat get an entry in there that's that's gorgeous i'm really excited like when you like because we've been talking you've been just talking about like the portable case idea for a really long time way too long yeah yeah. i I recently had a fire lit under my butt so now i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna push the rocket i i think you know some like sometimes uh it's it's you know like i think even when we were when we first did your first episode um you were talking about maybe doing like the the travel case with the escatonic brand and like i'm glad you i'm glad that it didn't that it didn't pan out that way and that this is the direction because i think yeah and actually the the thing is too that one that i originally designed was going to be it was going to look a lot like my cases and that didn't that didn't serve a need you know what Mm -hmm. what i'm doing now it's going to be really for you know someone who who goes out and gigs doesn't want a case that looks like a pure studio case and somewhere mm-hmm. a hybrid that will look great and also i'm going to do something with the curves <clears throat> that complements my current standard cases so if you own one of my giant studio cases aesthetically they 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 go together right okay so you can have a you can have a portable that, that okay not, aesthetically speaking they they, they complement each other in a studio setting i was going to ask about that but i kind of assumed because you, and you also, are a craftsman. I, I I might do more standard color, like you know, I, I I'd probably do something with with walnut um, panels or uh, you know the kind of lighter maple, but also do more like painted colors, like a black and a white, you know, mm-hmm. more uh, standard stuff too. Because now I'm getting out of me having to hand make everything, so a machine can make a lot of these parts that we put together, but still okay. have a lot of my uh, um, um, woodworking like aesthetic stuff like put into it do you make do you make regular furniture anymore or yeah totally and what's great is the larger these cabinets are getting um i'm able to like for example i'm making this this my my command center right it's a double 168 30 30u it's 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 two 10 rows right side by side it's Uh fucking huge right it's nothing but now I'm designing all these crazy trestle bases, re- like compound angle, like stuff that I, I really don't have to do. But uh-huh. here's my opportunity to do this because now I have a commission at the four. Uh, my friend uh, has a, a penthouse at the Four Seasons, and he has a 12 foot you know dining table that he wants made. And this is actually became the prototype for building that. He doesn't get. He's like, make my goddamn table. (laughs) It's like I need time to build prototypes, and I'm finally like on my third one. Actually, made a dining room table for myself as the prototype because I don't live on the top floor of the Four Seasons. (laughs) (laughs) My dining room table is about one tenth of that size, but um, I didn't like it that much. And now this one, it's freaking spectacular. So I'm gonna make a 12 foot version for him, and then put the top on and and finally deliver. But yeah, I make I make regular furniture, not that much it's still Eurorack, you know 90 percent of it but i do sneak in some other pieces 
that yeah and that's where i was going with it like how long has like when when did your rat cases like become the primary thing five years ago <laughs> really oh yeah. really okay wow that's crazy <laughs> i still sneak in other pieces and people mm -hmm. like my my furniture maker friends are always making fun of me it's like oh you make i'm like no dude i i get to i i if i didn't like what i was doing i would not be doing this right i would do yeah. something else and it's like it does it still challenges me still pushes me and still keep it putting new designs mm -hmm. and as the cabinets get bigger i get to do all these things that they're doing too it's like mm -hmm. yes i'm not making chairs but maybe sometimes you know for jj abrams i made him a cool freaking stool the the shaker style that like matched this cabinet I get to throw in all these like little pieces as I go along, yeah. but you know, I, yeah, I'm not doing a completely different thing every time. I'm not going from a table to a chair to a, you know, right. to a cabinet to this or that like they are, but like I get to do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And it's such like, such a, a unique niche that you occupy too. And I, I just like, it's so cool that you get the opportunity to just like, you know, kind of fuck around and, and, and hone your craft and experiment and, um, not, not to compare what I do to what you do because recording podcasts is much easier, but like, you know, doing it after a while, it's, it's cool to just like, it's cool to see people doing the same thing or doing, doing something that they're super passionate about and stay passionate about it. Like I, I find ways to keep this interesting for myself right. and you do that with, with your work. And it's very clear that you're still very, very passionate about it. It would be really easy to get in a routine and get, and get bored of this. You totally. Know? Yeah. And it's like, but once again, it's like life's short. You only get so many laps around the sun and mm -hmm. I don't want to do something that I'm fucking bored with, you know, right. I, I do something else, but I, I, this keeps challenging me. The projects keep getting not always bigger, but more interesting. I get interesting commission requests and whatnot, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, I love what I'm doing. I think the portable things can be nice too. Cause I think if that takes off, that's less of my involvement. <laughs> like I have my employees that work on that. That'll allow me to expand and do um, more interesting one and not have to spend so much. It'll afford me more time. Definitely. That's something that I've noticed with just the amount of, um, you know, Eurorack designers I've talked to. And, you know, with, with growing success in the company, they can hire people. Right. And then when they hire people, uh, the guy who's who started the whole company, the, guy, the guys or gals, or, you know, who start the company because they have this, like, they want to design a product, they, they're interested in the design aspect, they all of a sudden become customer service reps, they also become salespeople, and they become shipping people. And it's like, yeah. oh, I don't have any time to do design. And then yeah. it's just been cool to see all my my friends get to a point where they can hire people and that and then they can focus on the design part. And then yeah, once you can see too, when they start doing that, more like oh this is cool shit that they start making like and and the you know it just kind of snowballs from there so yeah no um, yeah I, I definitely want to get back to that place you know it, it's excited it's time time is the luxury right now but yeah. in that time is when i could do new designs and come up with new products but mm -hmm. the portable case thing is something that's been sitting on a back burner for a long time and we're we're, we're hyper motivated and we're launching it yeah <clears throat> and you'll be seeing a piece soon <laughs> yeah i'm very excited um <laughs> I know it was a while ago, but it was after you were on. Can we talk about your hand? Oh, yeah. That's I, a crazy uh, story. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, what, did that happen bef after we, we had? Wait, did it? I think. Yeah, it definitely did because we were like chatting. I, you, I, you sent me. 
I know it was after because it was become <clears throat> we were buddies by then because you sent me a picture from the ER. Oh yeah. With your <laughs> finger, I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I was I was working on a very very large uh, um, uh, commission, and it was late at night. And this is actually when when Brad was still with me. And I, I keep my story keeps you know you know the the fisherman t- t- tale. Yeah, yeah. Memory is creative. Yeah, yeah. it's a creative so, process. So at, at one point I was like, oh, it was two in the morning. I was working on it, and like Brad's like, no, it was actually like nine o'clock. So around <laughs> around nine o'clock, um, I was making tricky cuts, and um, I was pushing a, a thin strip through the through the table saw, and it was actually it's called the dado cut. So it's a cut that the blade doesn't go all the way through the wood. It's just putting a groove in a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. The problem was it was a very thin piece of wood, and it was that it was cut at an angle. So I was actually lightly holding the strip of wood at an angle as I was press as I was passing it over the um, um, the blade on the table saw. And what happens is, you know, there's a fence that next to the blade, and that and that dictates how wide of a cut you're going to make, right? And you push your workpiece along that fence, and it and it goes over the blade. And what happened was it tipped, and so it fell between a blade that's spinning at 200 miles an hour and the fence. And it's called kickback, so it shoots back. So, and from every possible way, this was a safe as a safe as cut as you, you could make, right? Because the mm-hmm. blade doesn't go all the way through. But what happened was I was pushing it. It kicked back, and my front hand, my left hand, was still at the front of the piece. So it kicked my hand back at 200 miles an hour with the piece and it put the blade through my hand. Mm. So um, it, it sounded like a gun went off, right? So I look and I'm, usually with kickback, the wood would go through you. So I look at my you know, apron. I'm like, okay, cool. There's no hole in me. It, it passed. <laughs> and I look over to my left and it's a freaking murder scene. You know, it's my hands out of the, out of the skin. There's just blood everywhere. You know, yeah, the uh, word you used was degloved. That's the I, one. Well, that really yeah. Well, so, so, that's, <laughs> so what happens actually when because this was massive trauma. I mean, a hand was out mm-hmm. of the skin. It was a yeah. it was a situation. You actually you go into shock, right? I didn't mm-hmm. feel it. I was just like, fuck, this is bad. You go into survival, self-preservation mode. So I go immediately over, I get towels, I plug and I call Brad. I'm like, Brad, I'm fucked up. Get here right. now. Because if I called 911, my shop is behind a gate. It's like two gates, a door. Like they wouldn't have gotten to me. They wouldn't know. Yeah. And it's like it's a weird address that waves doesn't show right and stuff. Yeah. So Brad just happened to have been sitting down with his first gear or whatever. He's like, all right, I'll be right there. I I sat down and I took. I mean, I was nauseated, right? So I I mm-hmm. took a little nap. Like I lay down on the ground. <laughs> and Brad woke me up. He's like, hey, let's go. And uh, we ended up going to UCSF. I went up to, you know, they have a triage window to assess how bad and see where, you know, what priority you get. And uh, there's, bl- I had my shop apron on, I was covered in blood. And I'm like, they're like, okay, yeah, you can, it went back there. And I'm like, I told the lady, it's like, I'm, I'm a little nauseated because they couldn't see my wound, right? Uh-huh. Was she was like, oh, you know, some people get, you know, get little tummy problems when they see blood. Tummy problems. So I was just yeah. like, so she goes, can we see it? She opened, she was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so she used the medical term and i was like well what's that she goes no i don't worry i go what is that she goes well it means you were degloved i'm like what fuck <sighs> i didn't really get it uh-huh. so they, they wheeled me out into the middle room and a guy comes by and uh he's like all right we're gonna we're gonna give you fentanyl i'm like oh is that the stuff they put in blow when people die like no it's pharmaceutical you are in a controlled environment they shot me full and within like 30 seconds i was taking videos of it and sending it Uh to my mom in florida (laughs) 
was so hard. <laughs> I could tell you, I was like, okay, he's okay, but he's also pretty loopy because you were like, check it out, dude. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the, the guy, I asked the guy, it's like, it's going to kill the pain. He goes, nope, but it's going to make you not care about it. And he was yeah. absolutely right. And then, yeah. It, yeah. But regardless, it was a, it was a pretty gnarly, it, it, I wasn't able to play bass for a really long time. I'm starting to play again now, but it's, you know, I've, it, it hasn't affected my work. I can play bass. A That's what I was, the two things that went through my mind is like, I'm out of work. Like I'll mm -hmm. never be able to build furniture again and I'll never be able to play bass again. So those yeah, are the yeah. two things that popped in my head immediately. when I saw my hand out of this. <laughs> do you feel like you're like, as far as bass playing goes, like, can you, do you think that like you're going to get back to hundred percent? As far as I mean, the reality is, I, I, you know, I'm not in a play, I, I'm, I'm not a shredder. Like I, right. I don't play anymore. I play my bass so infrequently. It just would have been sad if I couldn't. Right. I won't be exactly like I was before. I play fine. You know, yeah. like I have most mobility. You know, I'm, I'll be totally. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with what I can do. What about like nerve stuff? Can did you have like? No, I have 100 feeling. They were shocked really? about that too because of how much tissue damage there was. Uh -huh. They came back together. I can feel the fingertip and whatnot. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, oh, so it'll. I think it'll ease everyone's mind. When I, when uh, my wife and I were down in San Francisco, we visited the shop. You showed me the the machine that did it. Delta, yeah. You now have one that actually can sense the. Well, no, we had one. So, so oh, you. I can go through the whole story, but we had that one, <clears throat> and there's a cartridge, right? I told you. Uh -huh. That's always monitoring. Um, uh, if there's anything conductive touching the blade, like for example, a hot dog or mm. something wet, like your finger, if a, if a blade touches that, it immediately senses that um, uh, resistance and it will fire a bolt through the blade as it's spinning 200 miles an hour. And within milliseconds, it'll stop the blade right there. Mm -hmm. So you'll get a scratch. You'll get like a little tiny nick, but it won't take your finger off. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's actually my mom. She probably heard me talking about my finger. <laughs> Um, uh, we had one and what happened was the guy, I was doing a dado cut. The guy had popped that cartridge months before and never replaced the cartridge. That's why I was using the Delta saw from 1973. Oh, it doesn't have, it doesn't have, yeah, can, that's why I'm not a huge fan of this particular guy. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trust, trust me. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, the saw from 1973 doesn't care what goes into its teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but it's great. I love the machine though. Like I, yeah. so two days after I had my interaction, went back and I made cuts on that machine because that, then I would be PTSD. I'd never use it again. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You were telling me about that. Yeah, well, I think, uh, didn't, um, didn't Nathan Moody have a similar thing he in did. a similar it time? Funny. It, well, it's not funny, but he posted a picture. And I was like, oh, Nathan, because he came to the shop. He, he uh -huh. bought a cabinet for me. And it was like weeks later, he had this injury. And I remember him posting a picture. I'm like, Nathan, I, you know, there's the three-inch rule. And all. I'm like giving him all this like sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, you know, two months later, I have, uh, and I, I felt pretty shitty. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't follow any of my own advice. And here I am in the, you know, in the ER. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, I know you got to go meet your designer. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for uh, coming back on the show. And hanging with me, is there anything that you want to say that we haven't covered or scream from no, the modular I, mountaintops? No, I, I think that's it. Thanks, Joe. And if people want a Needham case, what do they do? Just to, you can go to uh, needhamwoodworks.com. And, and I have all my standard uh, case pricing and whatnot. I'll be putting more of my custom work 
um, information on there, but the, the, the site's pretty comprehensive. I mean, you can go through the whole thing and never deal with me directly if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody would want to do that, but no. all right, man. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Talk soon. That's our show. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming back. Isn't he just delightful? He's a real fun hang. Um, and God damn, is he good at what he does. Check him out at needwoodworks.com. Link in the show description. I'd also like to say thank you to you for listening to the show. I couldn't do it without listeners. Well, I could, but it would be weird. It'd be like screaming into the void, um, which, you know, I've been known to do. Uh, not so much lately. What else? Thank you to patchworks.com for your continued support of the show. Go there for all your synthesizer needs. Hell, if you're going to buy some Afterlater audio modules, which I strongly recommend you do, why not do it through Patchworks? Kill two birds with one stone. Why do we want to kill? Like, why do we still use this? One, I mean, I know people still hunt birds, but nobody's doing it with a stone that I know. Um, thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. You really help keep the show going. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast thank you to tiny crush mixing let hugo mix your stuff i'm telling you tinycrushmixing.com podmod 10 at checkout for 10 percent discount don't forget we got the uh the pod the podular modcast and friends vinyl over at mystery circles all proceeds go to mary's place a foundation here in the northwest that helps women children and families find their way out of houselessness so none no one's getting money for this except for people who need it more than any of us. Um, I think that's about it. Still having fun doing the show. Almost episode 200. Next week's 199, and then we got a special one for for 200. Uh, We don't have a patch challenge today, because as you heard during the chat, Eric doesn't really uh, have time to make synthesizer music. So I'm just going to let you uh, listen to this little thing that I made after I went to the show at the Flight Museum, where I saw a bunch of amazing Seattle artists play, uh, and it, it was just very inspiring, so I wanted to come straight home and patch, and this is what I ended up making. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Until next week. Oh, the secret word for this week to put on the Instagram post about the show is... Uh... uh, Let's do gravity, because it says gravity on this guitar pick that I'm holding in my hand.